Thank you very much. Good morning. We all okay? We all had a nice summer. Yeah, did we all manage to get away somewhere? Have a bit of a rest? Have a bit of relaxation? Because that's what summer's for, isn't it? Um, we've, well, we went away to Cornwall for a week with my family. Cornwall, woo! <laughs> uh, we had a wonderful time eating Cornish pasties, having cream teas, the proper way, whichever that way may be. I did it the proper way. Yes, I did, I did. Um, and we had a fantastic time. We went with my family, um, with my parents, my two brothers, my sister-in-law. And just like any group of people embarking on a trip, and I bet this has happened for the Rwanda team, we set up a WhatsApp group. It is a necessary thing if you are going anywhere in a group of people now that you should have a WhatsApp group. And that's what we did, um, our family. And it started off with the best of intentions. So my dad was posting very useful, relevant information about where we were going to go, what time we were going to have to be there. He put little maps on. It was very helpful. But within a few days, it had kind of descended, and mostly my little brother's fault, it had descended into a stream of GIFs. And I don't know if you know what a GIF is, but it's that little tiny video clip of just a reaction to something. And all of a sudden, you don't need any words to describe what you are trying to say. You just have to send these little stupid videos. And sometimes it's people, sometimes it's animals, they're even better. But what started off as quite annoying that he kept posting these GIFs spiralled. And before we knew it, we weren't actually using words anymore. We were just posting GIF after GIF after GIF. And finally, we've come back from Cornwall, so now we can leave that group and leave that where that is. So it just reminded me that actually communication has come quite a long way. <laughs> At one time, if you were arranging to go on a trip, you would have to sit and gather in a group or maybe use the telephone or an email. Um, now we can message and now we can even GIF. But the, the whole point of communication is so that we can maintain and keep the relationships, so that we can build relationships um, with those people who we're trying to um, keep in contact with. And we're starting this theme of prayer this month, and in a nutshell, that is what prayer is. Prayer is our communication with God, how we maintain our relationship with God. And this week, um, well, this month of prayer and this week that we've got coming up specifically of prayer and fasting might fill you with joy. You might be ready and raring to go with excitement. You might have painted out your prayer closet already. You might have ready and raring to go for this time that we have of prayer. Or it might fill you with a little bit of apprehension. Because I know sometimes we think that maybe we're not good enough at praying. Maybe prayer is for those really great warriors of prayer, who the ones who say the really good words at the really good time. And sometimes we can think that maybe we aren't equipped enough, maybe we're not good enough, maybe we struggle a bit with prayer. And I think if we were all honest, prayer is something that we can all struggle with from time to time. So this morning, as we are looking at prayer, and it's the first one of the series, we're going to go all the way back uh, to Jesus himself, and we're going to hear his words when he teaches us how to pray. So this morning we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer, and hopefully through that I'm going to be able to pull some stuff out that's going to make you um, feel more equipped, more encouraged to tackle this month of prayer. So, 
Can we have Luke 11, please? The Lord's Prayer comes up a couple of times in Scripture. We're looking at it from Luke uh, this morning. And verse 1, actually, yeah, verse 1 says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John had taught his disciples. And I might have read this quite a few times, but actually it, it struck me when I was reading this that this is Luke chapter 11. There have been 10 other chapters in Luke, and only now are we getting to the disciples asking him, Jesus, teach us how to pray. <laughs> They'd been with Jesus for quite some time at this point. They'd seen miracles. They'd seen the feeding of the 5,000. They'd um, seen Jesus teaching and hearing lots of his words. And they'd seen Jesus' pattern and routine of prayer in his own life. But it's only now, at this point, that they're asking Jesus, teach us to pray. And that might be reflective of you this morning you might feel like you resound with that maybe you've been on a journey with Jesus for some time now maybe you've got that relationship with him maybe you've heard what he has to say and you believe him and you, you you're in love with Jesus but maybe this morning is your morning where you need to ask Jesus maybe it's time that you teach me how to pray I want to learn more about prayer this morning. And let's take that attitude of the disciples with us. So I've given the message this morning a title of The Beginner's Guide to Prayer. Because that's what it was for the disciples. As Jesus told them the Lord's Prayer, it was their beginner's guide to prayer. But it can be that for you this morning. Whether, whether you feel experienced in prayer or not, this will be helpful for you this morning. So let's look what he said. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. That's how Jesus models that, that we should pray, that's how he instructs us to pray. So he starts off very simply saying, Father, Father. Jesus says that when we should pray, we should focus our attention first and foremost before we get into anything else. Let's just focus our attention on God as our Father. Hallowed be your name. Now I've done some extensive research slash typed into Google the word hallowed. And it means to honour or to revere. So when we're praying, God, hallowed be your name, we're praying that, Lord, God, we worship your name. We honour your name. We honour who you are. We revere who you are. You're awesome. Your kingdom come. That's acknowledging that God is king. Not only is he father, but he is king. He is Lord also. So when we pray, we start off by recognizing the majesty of God, the awesomeness of God, the might of God. And next to that, sometimes the things that we're going through don't always seem so big. So my first point this morning is that prayer brings perspective. I don't know if you, um, if you managed to get away this summer, if any of you went on an airplane, hands up those who have flown on a plane this summer very nice um we well we went to Cornwall we've been to America this year though that was our, our proper proper holiday 
and we went on an aeroplane then. And me and Rob normally, we don't, I wouldn't say fight, but we both put together um, our cases. We put our cases forward for why each of us should have the window seat on an aeroplane. Um, Rob genuinely wants to look out the window. I just don't want to be bothered when I'm curled up in a ball having to sleep. So we both put our cases forward, and usually you are the gentleman and you let me win. But we do like looking out the window as we're taking off on the plane and watching the world just slowly get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And there is still all the people as normal on the world just going about their daily lives. But all of a sudden, when you kind of go up in the air, it just seems so calm and so peaceful just looking at it all from a distance. And I think... That sentiment kind of can be applied to prayer, that when we stop in our busy lives and when we look up and when we focus our attention on God, we focus our attention on our Father and we look to God as being the King over all, then that's almost like that zooming out experience where we see things differently. We see things the way that he sees them. And compared to our massive, huge, awesome, amazing God, those things that we're struggling with don't always seem so big. But prayer isn't just for our problems, isn't just for the things that we're struggling with. Prayer brings perspective to our, our everyday lives. If we start the day by praying, if we start our day by giving it to God, by focusing on God, by asking God, what do you want to do today? Why are the opportunities today? Then all of a sudden, what would have been kind of a mundane, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday routine. If we give that day to God, if we communicate with him, if we're praying with him, then suddenly we see opportunities. Um, Come, we see opportunities to share about God. We see opportunities to speak love. We see opportunities just to, to love people and to show people God's love in a different way that we would have missed altogether if we hadn't given that to God, if we hadn't prayed and we hadn't sought him earlier on. So when we seek God, we find opportunities to speak life, opportunities to model love and opportunities to make an eternal impact that we might not have done if we didn't make that connection with God through prayer. So if nothing else, prayer reminds us that we are human and that God is God. Just taking a couple of seconds to acknowledge that I'm human. I am a child. God is God. God is my Father. And when we have that attitude and we take that in our day with us, that provides opportunities that we might not have experienced otherwise. Prayer brings perspective. Prayer brings an eternal perspective to our lives. So if we just go back to the Lord's Prayer, if we've got it, thank you, Reuben, down there. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Jesus then goes on to say, give us this day, each day, our daily bread. Give us each day our daily bread. And I think this speaks of God's provision. So my second point this morning is that prayer brings provision. Jesus teaches us to ask for the stuff that we need. He says, give Give us this day our daily bread. And that means 
Bread is obviously our food. It's what we need physically. It's what we need to eat to keep our bodies alive. But Jesus also describes himself elsewhere as being the bread of life. He says, I am the bread of life. So when we pray, give us each day our daily bread, we're also praying, give us each day what we need spiritually, Jesus. Feed my soul as well as my physical body. We're praying for that nourishment that we need to get going and to um, make it through the day. Because believe it or not, we are quite needy people. We don't like to admit it, but we are quite needy people. Um, We should have a little graphic for you. This is something called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. And if you have studied any kind of health or sociology or psychology, you will have come across this at some point. And I think we've even mentioned it from the here before as well but this guy Maslow it's it's his credit not mine um has come up with this and these are apparently all of the needs that we have as human beings to make us feel like we are functioning like we're healthy like we're whole and it starts off with our basic needs things like food water warmth rest we all need those kinds of things we need safety and we need security and without those we are physically in danger so we need those for our physical bodies He goes on to say that we need, above that, we've got our psychological needs, a need for intimate relationships, a need for friendships, a need to feel like we are feeling accomplished in what we're doing. And then if we tick that off the list, then above all of that, we've got this self-fulfillment need or this need of self-actualization, which means that we feel like we are achieving our full potential, like we're able to contribute um, to society and contribute in some way. And that's quite a lot of needs. (laughs) I told you we are needy people. And nobody likes to admit it. I don't know if you've ever overheard a conversation or heard someone being described as needy. It's never a compliment, is it? That person, they're so needy. They're so high maintenance. They've just got so many needs. It's never a compliment. But, you know, I don't think our neediness puts God off. I don't think God is detracted or deterred from our neediness at all. In fact, I believe that God embraces our neediness, so much so that he calls himself our provider. He is our provider, and that is one of the names of God that we find in Scripture. God will provide Jehovah Jireh. If we go look all the way back, Genesis 22, this is the first time when we see it, Um. And this is the story of where God asks Abraham to sacrifice his son, Isaac. And Abraham is being out of obedience, is taking Isaac up to be sacrificed. And at the last moment, God provides a lamb to be sacrificed instead of Isaac. And Abraham says, um, what does he say? He says, Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. That's the first time when we come across the name Jehovah Jireh. And from that point on in scripture, we see at different points, God is known as the Lord will provide. That is one of his names. And it's not just in the Old Testament we see that. In the New Testament, uh, Philippians 4.19, we have the promise as well. It says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. God will supply every 
need of yours. He is not put off by your neediness. He is ready and waiting to meet your neediness. And we have our God. We have Jehovah Jireh just waiting to provide for us. And you you might have experienced God's provision in your life. You might have, have those stories of where you've prayed for something and God has provided, where you've prayed for Maybe you've had a financial need and God's met that or you've had a need at work and God's met that or you've had a need for a relationship or for breakthrough and God's met that and that is wonderful. But I think the thing that often stops us from praying for the stuff that we need, for the stuff that we desire, is often we have times when we think maybe God hasn't answered my prayer. Maybe God hasn't given me the things that I want and maybe that bit of doubt comes to play in our minds. So why is that? Why maybe do we pray and we don't always get what we want? Maybe God doesn't hear us, although I don't think that's true. Um, we've got a promise in Jeremiah twenty-nine, twelve, that says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. God promises that he's listening to us So it's not that. So maybe we go along the lines of thinking, well, maybe I'm not asking right. Maybe I aren't, maybe I, that that was very stoke. Maybe I aren't using the right words. (laughs) Never said that before. Maybe I am not using the right words. Or maybe I'm not asking God in the right way. Maybe he's not impressed enough with my prayer to be moved to answer it. There's a guy, Max Lucado, Lucado. He says, maybe our prayers seem feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it, not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. The power of prayer is completely in the one who hears it, not in the one who says it. So we don't have to worry about getting our words right. We don't have to worry about sounding stupid to God. We don't have to worry about sounding stupid in front of other people if we're praying out loud because the power of prayer is completely in God. And God does answer our prayers. Sometimes, like I've said before, you, you might have had that green light from God and you might have had that check from come through the post the next door after you, the next day after you've prayed. You might have had those kind of experiences, but you also might have had a no, or maybe maybe you're still waiting for the things that you're praying for. But I think sometimes we can take that no, or we can take that not yet as a negative thing. But we forget sometimes that God is our Father, and that God is good. And I've seen enough people with their children to know that no isn't always a spiteful thing, but no is often for their own good. I don't know if anyone can relate to that. Sometimes God's no might be a no, not yet. Maybe you need to grow a little bit first, or maybe you need to go through a few things first, because if you had that right now, maybe it's not right for this time. Maybe you need to go through some things first. Maybe God says no because he knows it's not good for us. He can see the bigger picture, and although we pray knowing that we might think that's right for us, We've got to trust and believe that God knows ultimately what's right for us. Imagine if we had everything that we prayed for. 
I was thinking back about some of the things that I have prayed for. And I genuinely remember, I must have been about eight or nine years old, and I had watched the film Matilda, which is still one of my favorite films. And in that, she is able to move things with her eyes. She can write on the chalkboard, she can pour that jug of water. And I genuinely prayed that God would give me that ability to be able to move things with my eyes, to be able to write things on the board, to be able to, I wouldn't have to get off the sofa, I would just have everything brought to me by the power of my eyes. That is what I genuinely prayed as a child. And I thought that that was good. I'm now very grateful that maybe God didn't do that because I'd probably still be sat on that couch. And I don't think it would have worked out for me. I'd either be sat on that couch or I'd be in some kind of military testing facility wanting them to harvest my powers. Um, So I don't think it would have worked out for the best. So I'm quite glad that God didn't answer that prayer of mine. And I'm not saying that the things that we pray for are childish or the things that we pray for are silly, but maybe God knows what is really good for us and we have to trust that. Maybe God's no is that there's something better for us. That saying yes to that means that actually you will be distracted from your bigger purpose. Maybe there's something better. Maybe there's someone better that he's got planned for you. But in all of God's responses, whether that's a yes and he provides straight away, whether it's a hang on a minute or a, actually there's something better, we have to trust that whatever he says, it's because he loves us and because he is good, because he is love. He only does loving things. He only does good things because he is good. And we can trust that. So let's not keep, let's not stop asking. A little bit further on in Luke, after the Lord's Prayer, um, Jesus says in verse 7, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who, to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus is encouraging us to pray and ask for the things that we want and the things that we need. And we can trust that if they are good things for us, then God will provide. Because God is good and he is our provider. So As we're approaching this, well, we're in the month of prayer now, but as we're approaching this week of prayer and fasting specifically, and I think it does say it on the sheets and on the flyers that we've got, it asks, what are you believing for? What are you praying for? Because this is a fantastic opportunity to pray that God would meet some of the needs that you've got in your life. It says to share it with a friend, I think, on on the leaflet. Tell someone, share someone what you are praying for, what you are believing for so that we can stand together and that we can push in together because Jehovah Jireh, our God, will provide. So, I believe that prayer brings perspective, that prayer brings provision, and then we move on to the end of the Lord's Prayer. If we can go back to that, thanks, Reuben, sorry. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us 
and lead us not into temptation. We've prayed for all the nice stuff, haven't we? We've, uh, we've worshipped God. We've prayed for the stuff that we need. And now we're getting to the nitty gritty. We're asking for forgiveness. We're talking about temptation. And I believe um, that through this prayer, that actually prayer will bring power. And that's my third point. Prayer brings power. I'll explain that in a sec. Forgive us our sins and lead us not into temptation. Do you ever think that if I could just do a good enough job of not being led into temptation, then I'd never have any sins to forgive? And I don't know if maybe it's a perfectionist thing or maybe it's a human thing, but I find myself often in the mindset of, let's just try my best never, never, never to sin. And let's just try my best to always avoid temptation. And if I don't have any need to sin, then I'm going to impress God. But it's not quite that simple. Because as humans, as people, we have a spirit that is in love with God, that is passionate about God, that wants to do what is right. We have that spirit within us to always um, do the good thing, to do the healthy thing. But we also have a flesh, each and every one of us. We have that flesh side of us that wants to do what feels good, what satisfies, what isn't necessarily healthy, a flesh that tends towards sin. And we live our lives almost in that tension between wanting to do what's good and wanting to um, make the right choices and wanting to please God and wanting to honour God. But at the same time, always having this this annoying flesh (laughs) that follows you around, wanting to do those things that you know aren't good for you, that means that I'm never actually going to be perfect. And that's a really difficult truth to swallow, that it is not always possible for me to be perfect. In fact, it's impossible for me to be perfect. So how then am I supposed to go and live my life? How am I supposed to go to work? How am I supposed to be in my marriage, how are we supposed to be with our families, knowing that actually perfection is not going to happen, that I'm going to mess up, that I'm going to make mistakes. How can we live our lives knowing that? And I think the key is found in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. This is Paul talking um, about what God has been telling him. And he says, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast about my weaknesses. I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. It's so against everything that our culture says that we should boast in our weaknesses. It just, it really, it rubs up the wrong way to think that actually I should be boasting and I should be celebrating my weaknesses rather than trying to look like I've got it all together. But actually what this scripture says is that when we acknowledge our weaknesses, 
when we acknowledge that flesh side of us that means that we have to be forgiven, which means that we need help staying away from temptation, then that's exactly what we need and what is needed to show God's power in our lives. For example, and this is completely a hypothetical example, of course, but say there's someone who is irritating you, and I bet this has never happened, but there may be someone irritating you, and if you acknowledge that flesh side of you that maybe wants to have the upper hand, that maybe wants to get the final word in, or maybe wants to put people down so it makes you feel better, if we acknowledge that that part of us exists, then that creates so much space and so much opportunity for us to look to God's alternative, for what God is saying for us to do, for what Jesus is saying for us to do, which is to be nice to them, (laughs) to talk to them in love, to forgive. And although it never seems like that easy option because we have that flesh part of us wanting us to do what's good for the flesh, not for us. Although we've got that part of us there, we have Christ's power at work in our lives, meaning that we can choose what God wants us to do. Sometimes acknowledging the weaknesses that we have can make Christ's instruction all the more clear to us. It's hard, but his power enables us to do what he asks. I think sometimes the difficulty is when we don't acknowledge our weaknesses and we think we've got it all together and we don't think that we have any need for forgiveness and we think that we can manage temptation all on our own, then we go through life thinking that actually what I want is the best thing. What I want and what God wants is the same thing. But actually, whether we acknowledge it or not, we all still do have that flesh. The key is not hiding our weaknesses, but embracing them. Not hiding our need for forgiveness and hiding our need for temptation or need to be led away from temptation, but to embrace it. So I believe that prayer brings perspective to our problems. Prayer brings provision to our needs. And prayer brings power. Prayer brings us the ability to overcome the flesh, to do what's right, to live a life that God wants us to live. Not that it's all about the doing, not that it's all about us having to earn God's love because it's not, but it's about us choosing love, choosing the right thing, doing the right thing um, for us and for those around us. So if you don't know where to pray, maybe you do resonate with those disciples asking, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Can I encourage you that the Lord's Prayer is a really good place to start? Every day, you can start the day. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And tell God how awesome he is. Spend a few minutes telling God that he is mighty, he is powerful, he is king, he is magnificent. Then move on. Give me today my daily bread. Pray for the things that you need. 
where you feel like you're lacking. Pray for that provision that you have, that practical need that you have, that physical need that you have, but also pray for that within your soul as well, within your spirit. Maybe I need more peace today. Maybe I need more patience. Maybe I need more kindness. Pray for that too, because God is our provider and he will meet that need. And then go on, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation. Let's pray and acknowledge those weaknesses that we have in our lives, our need for forgiveness, our need to be led away from temptation. And let's pray that God's power will be on display in our lives, enabling us to do that. Because through the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us what to pray. He teaches us to pray about these things. He doesn't say necessarily how we should pray, when we should pray, how often we should pray. He doesn't give us a timetable or a formula or a schedule to follow. We can pray wherever, whenever. We can pray in the morning, in the evening, indoors, outdoors, in groups, on our own, on the toilet, anywhere. We can pray. We can pray in our heads. We can pray out loud. We can pray writing things down. There's no limit to the amount of ways that we can pray and communicate with God. But the most important thing is that we do pray. Because prayer is that lifeline. Prayer is that communication that keeps us tapped into God's strength and tapped into God's power. And I I haven't really got a a fancy response this morning. I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up or um, to come down to the front because really I think when we're talking about prayer, the response is going to be, are you going to pray? The response is going to be shown tomorrow morning when we have opportunity to seek God. The response is going to be shown when you're going around your daily lives. Are, are, Are you going to make that time to stop and to seek God? But just to to leave you with a thought, to leave you with a question. Um, I've got a quote from a lady called Corrie Ten Boom. She's awesome. And she asks, what is your prayer life like? Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire?